Well, good morning, church. It's good to be with you all. Uh, we are in our Genesis series this morning. We're going to continue through uh, Genesis. And so my name is Pierre. I'm the Community Life Engagement Pastor here at Northreach. And it's my privilege to bring God's Word to you. So before we do that, let me just pray for us before we open God's Word together. Thank you, Father, that you are so good. You're the Creator God, and we honor you, and we glorify you as that today. And Father, we just know, Lord, that we are sinful, broken people. And Lord, we are in need of you. And we just thank you, Father, that you sent your Son, Jesus. Lord, you made a way through him. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, as we open your word today, Lord, you would speak to us. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that teaches us each something significant and different every time we open up your word. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that your spirit will be at work today. Father, may your spirit be guiding and leading me and, and us as we journey through your word. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning, I think Pastor Gary tried to stitch me up. He gave me Genesis four to chap- Genesis chapter 4 to chapter 11. So seven chapters of the Bible. So we're going to be here all morning. Uh, we might break for lunch and then we'll continue on till this evening. So PM and AM service, just one connected, one today. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to take a fly through and an overview of these chapters. And I believe there's some really clear themes that come out of Genesis 4 to chapter 11. And I hope that we can get some really good takeaways from this passage today. So the theme and the topic for this morning is going in the wrong direction. Going the wrong direction. I don't know, does anybody here struggle with directions? Who, is, who struggles with directions? Anybody here? Yep, a couple of hands going up. Who's really good at directions? Who just, you've got the map of Townsville all figured out. A couple of people just kind of putting their hands up. Uh, I hope that it's a husband and wife partner. So either the wife is good with directions or the husband's good with directions because otherwise you'll both be lost. Um, thank goodness for, for Google Maps. Uh, but I will be lost team at the back if you guys don't put my PowerPoint up the back. So if you can, please just make the PowerPoint appear on the screen. That would be awesome. So I don't know if you found the same thing. Sometimes in the mornings I'll get up and I'll go into autopilot. I'll climb in the car and I'll just drive. And autopilot, I'll drive in one direction. Most likely, it's to Cannon Park to the coffee shop so I can wake up. But often, we actually have a plan to go somewhere completely different. Who's ever done that? Who's switched to autopilot, driven to work, and then you end up completely somewhere else in town or you end up in the wrong spot? That definitely happens to me all the time. But I think... For me, there's a feeling that comes about. So if, as I'm driving, I realize after a while I am going in the wrong direction. Does, does, do people agree with that? Before you actually end up reaching a destination, you feel that something is off, something's not right, and you're traveling and you realize, okay, maybe I need to turn around or think, actually, where am I going? And so this morning, the question I have for us is, have you ever felt in your life like you're going in the wrong direction? Have you ever felt like you've made some couple of bad decisions and you end up in the wrong, going in the wrong direction. I guess we could probably all relate to that. Some bad decisions taking us to where we didn't plan to be or lead us on a path that isn't where God wants us to be. I think it's often our sin and our own brokenness that leads us down the paths that God didn't have planned for us. It's often our decisions that lead us to the wrong places in a direction away from God. 
I truly believe that this Genesis series, or the book of Genesis, actually helps us with our origin story. Helps us to understand uh, man's origin, where we've come from. It teaches us about God and about ourselves, our humanity. And as we explore it, we learn so much about who God is. See, the, the, the Genesis in the book says that God in his essence is good. God is good. And everything about him is good. And so what we then can deduct from that is everything outside of God, therefore, is evil. It is not of God. See, if God himself brought order into the world, there was dysfunction and then God brought function. And we see this displayed in the book of Genesis. And he created man, he created us in his own image. To be in this perfect relationship with him. We see it all unfolding in the Garden of Eden. We see Adam and Eve, perfect relationship with God. But Adam and Eve was tempted. And we saw that last week. We spoke about sin and, and the way in which it unfolded and the fall happened. And they were tempted by the devil. And they rebelled against God's command. See, last week we explore these questions. In the world we live in, this question has become blurred. The question between what is right and what is wrong. What is right, what is wrong. And I think Pastor Andrew last week, he had a follow-up question. Particularly, he preached in the PM service. And he had this really helpful follow-up question. And I think it clarifies the answer to that first question. Who has the authority to determine right and wrong? Because if we establish who has the authority to determine between right and wrong, it really helps to make clear what is right and wrong. And if we can together believe this morning that it is God. God is the only one that has the authority. The creator God has the authority to say what happens to his creation. Therefore, God is the only one that can say what is right and what is wrong. See, God set up the moral law. And it's only truly him that can determine between good and evil. And therefore, all objective truth. Our world is all about fighting about what is really true. But from what we learn in the Bible is that God is the only truth. God is the only objective truth. And we look to him to answer these questions about life. So it begs the question, and this is what this story that we're going to see unfold this morning from chapter 4 to chapter 11, begs the question, if we live outside of God, what would happen? We're going to call it a human experiment if we wanted. What would happen if humans were left to their own devices, allowing sin to take hold? What would happen? We're going to see it this morning. In these chapters, we're going to see the downward spiral of sin as humanity falls deeper and deeper and deeper into sin and turns away from God. We're going to see this highlighted in humans' actions. Firstly, we see it as Cain murders his brother Abel. So Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain and Abel, and Cain kills his brother. Then one of Cain's descendants, he takes two wives and kills someone and then boasts about that. Then we see 
God actually saying in Genesis 6, God saying he regrets ever actually making humanity in the first place. Then we see the flood happen and God choosing one man. Before God destroys the whole world, he finds one righteous man and he redeems the world through Noah. But then it doesn't take very long. Noah and his sons again fall and fall into sin. And ultimately, we see the stories together, the spiral happening down and down, and we see the Tower of Babel come to play. We many decides to build, come together. Let's all come together and build a tower so we can also get into the heavens. We see in these verses here, Now Cain said to Abel, Let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother and killed him. See, Cain and Abel both made an offering to God. And Cain's offering wasn't accepted. And there's many speculations about why it wasn't accepted. Most likely because it wasn't coming out of his heart. It wasn't an honoring sacrifice to God. And Cain, out of his jealousy, he murders his own brother. Then in Genesis 6, verse 5, we see God's regret for making humanity. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Wow. Imagine God speaking these words. This was the state of humanity. In Genesis 9, so after the flood and after God had, Noah had been obedient to God for a hundred years and everybody was ridiculing him while he was building this massive ark. And then God did send the floodwaters and God protected Noah and his family and his three sons and they went into the ship and they were there for 40 days and 40 nights as, as the water bucketed down and, and God restored Noah and he made a covenant with Noah. We see this unfold. Noah, similar to the story of what happened in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, where they ate of the fruit of the vine, Noah plants a vineyard, and he eats of, of, the, of the grapes, and he gets drunk. And then this whole debacle ends up happening between him and his sons. And what ends up happening is a family dispute. And his own son, again, similarly to Adam and Eve, gets cast out away from him. And he sends off. It says, when Noah woke up from his wine and found what his younger son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, the lowest of slaves will he be to his brothers. So God's, Noah sends away his son, out away from him and into a far land. Cursed. And we see in Genesis 11, the ultimate culmination of, of man's sin and man's failed attempt to unity apart from God. In Genesis 11 verse 4, And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so we can make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. We see in this picture the Tower of Babel falling in on itself, almost as if humanity was imploding in on itself. See, it was man's quest to become God themselves. 
we saw that Adam and Eve ate from the fruit and they wanted to know the knowledge and they wanted to be like gods themselves. We see here it doesn't take humanity very long to all come together in a united place and let's, let's build a tower. This is going to be a great adventure for us. Let's build a tower and we're going to reach to the heavens and we'll make our name for ourselves. And they fall deeper and deeper into sin. We see here the moral scale between good and evil. Evil is, is very much taken over in the world, overflowing in the world. The truth is that sin has consequences. We can see that worked out here. We see the worst of humanity captured in these stories. We see almost a whole range of evil things, jealousy, murder, drunkenness, slander, deceit, arrogance, folly. Similar to, similar to what Jesus spoke to the Pharisees about in, in uh, Mark chapter 7. He spoke to the Pharisees and said, What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Jesus pointing to the core issue of sin, that it comes out of us, out of our hearts, that we are sinful ourselves. My encouragement is we've taken a quick overview of these chapters. There is so much in them and there's lots of intricacies in them and so much to learn from these chapters about who God is. So this week, I encourage you, go and read. And if you haven't picked up one of these studies that Pastor Gary put together, it's an amazing study through the book of Genesis. And if you're not in a life group, I encourage you to get in one because it's really uh, actually a great, amazing time to support one another in your faith, but also to explore God's word together, to grow in him. But I do believe that there is, this, there is some of these stories don't have a lot of specific details. And often as humans, we want to look into the details. We want to try and figure them all out and try and figure out, well, what exactly happened between Noah and his son? Or what exactly happened between the offering and, and why was Cain's offering not accepted by God? And we have all these questions that we're trying to explore in detail. But I think that's sometimes we're doing disjustice to the text. See, the story of Genesis is to try and give us an overview of who God is, but also to tell us who we are as humanity. It's an origin story. And so we should rather focus on what is the specific story that God wants to teach us out of these chapters. So we should ask the questions, what do these stories teach us about God? Who is our God, the creator God? And then what does it teach us about humanity? These stories show us the consequence of sin, but it also shows us God's amazing mercy and compassion that he has for humanity, who he created in his own image. So how does God respond? We saw humanity's actions. We saw all the sinful acts and the downward spiral of sin. But where's God in all of this? How can God allow these things to happen? Well, we actually see that God was there with them throughout. We see clearly God has a warning for Cain. Just before Cain and goes off and murders his brother, he says this warning to him in Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Talking about the offering. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. 
he says to Cain. And what does Cain? He falls into that jealousy and he goes off and invites his brother to the field and he murders his brother. Then after this had happened, what's God's response? So God's response is to send Cain away out of his sight to a distant land, similarly to what he did with Adam and Eve out of the garden. And Cain is, says to God, God, this punishment is more than I can deserve. Surely I will be killed out. The people, someone will kill me. And what does God do? God blesses Cain after he's murdered his brother. God blesses him and he marks him with a mark so that no one else will kill Cain. And God, seeing there's no good in men left, does God destroy the world? No, he doesn't destroy humanity. He finds one righteous person. He finds Noah. And he finds a way to redeem humanity through Noah. And he forms this, then he goes on to form a covenant with Noah, saying he'll never again destroy the world and the, and the, and the animals and the people in it. And then what happens at the Tower of Babel? Does God just allow men to destroy themselves? Because what would have happened? Humanity's pursuit to build this tower, it would have been their, their own demise, their own destroying themselves, it resulted in more evil and more violence breaking out between men. So what does God do? He comes and he brings different languages. And that's how he scatters them across the earth. It says in Genesis 11, verse 8 to 9, So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. So we see this clear theme throughout these chapters. Clear theme. God's amazing blessing to humanity. And humanity's sin. Humanity turning away from God and God trying to bless humanity. There's a big question that often plagues people about God. People that don't believe in God, they always have this a question similar to this one. If God is good, why did he allow sin to enter into the world? If God is good, why did he allow sin to enter into this world? We particularly think of those living in countries in the world where they're under significant oppression. Where there are Christians under oppression and being killed for their faith. But this, this particular question begs further questions. But why did God allow the tempter, why did God allow the devil the devil? to do his work in the first place? Why did God not just start over after Adam and Eve? Well, they, that was a failed experiment. Let's just start over. To answer these questions, we must go back to the foundational issues. If humans were designed to be corruptible, sin must surely be a possibility. If humans... We're not perfect, then surely sin must be a possibility in this world. And so if sin is a possibility, oppression, immorality, brokenness, evil will be in our world. 
if God were to wipe out all of the sin, he would have to eliminate corruptibility, humans' ability to be corruptible. And if God were to eliminate corruptibility, we would be nothing but robots. following every instruction that God has set out. The ultimate reality is, and what, what, what we learn from the Bible, and we see it in these stories, is that man is corruptible. Men are sinful. And we all have a sin problem. And it doesn't matter how hard we try on our own, we still fail. We see that over and over and over again in in scriptures. And we see it here in Genesis 1 to 11. Humanity has a sin problem. But the truth is God has a plan and a purpose for humanity. And we see that worked out over the whole biblical story. Our story. See the story of God's redemption unfolding throughout Scripture. This week, uh, I got a call. The mower is stuck in the back paddock. Can you please come and help get the mower out of the back paddock? So the church is a little ute, and I decide, well, that's probably if the mower got stuck, the church ute probably is going to get stuck too. So I call on Pastor Andrew with his big Prado four-wheel drive. And Andrew comes racing in, to the back paddock to save the day. And what happens? He gets bogged too. So Pastor Andrew is stuck there with his big Prado and he's bogged, properly bogged. You can see those tires are full of mud almost halfway. There was no way we were getting out. Okay, so we call Isaac Tukas. He also lives on property and he's got a ute. So he's going to come pull out Andrew. Doesn't take long. Isaac is also stuck and bogged in the back paddock. So then we, uh, Andrew and, and Ken, who was on the mower, they devise a plan and finally get the winch to work and they, and they pull themselves out with the winch around the tree and they get the Prado out and then Andrew saves the day, pulls the mower out and pulls that ute out and everyone is fine after two hours, completely wet, soaking in the rain. Um, <laughs> a great funny story that unfolded this week. But I think often this is the reality of our sin. The reality of our sin is that we are bogged in it. We are stuck in it. And we can't physically work ourselves out of it. doesn't matter how strong we think we are. We can't get out of it by ourselves. We're stuck in our sin. And so often we try and get out of it ourselves. And we see this, this inhumanity trying to do their own thing apart from God. Remember, God had a plan, his plan of redemption for all of us. In Ezekiel, in the Old Testament, Ezekiel 36, it says, God says, I will give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll remove your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. It's God's promise in saying that he will remove our heart of stone, our hardened hearts against God, our sin. He will remove that. And in us, he will put his own spirit. And in Romans 10, the New Testament, it says, 
If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised you from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. And it's only through him that we can be made right with God. Humanity has a sin problem. This is what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, God made him, God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. So that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. See, God knew that humans corruptible, that humans are sinful, and our hearts are often hardened against him. And so God had a plan and a purpose, and he sent his son Jesus. And this is the whole story of the Bible, the whole story of our humanity. God created, and everything was good. He created humans. He created us good. It was a good creation. But we were given an opportunity to either follow God or to not follow him. What happened in the garden was Adam and Eve, they did sin and did rebel against God. And the fall came into the world. Sin enters the world and it breaks that perfect relationship between man and God. Breaks that, that perfect garden in which everything was perfect and good. So evil enters into the world. Even the brokenness, oppression, and sickness, we see it all around us. Sin is evident in our world today. But God did not leave us there, did he? He sent his son, Jesus, to accomplish redemption. Jesus went to the cross for our sin and died for us. So Jesus accomplished redemption for all who believe in him through his life and his death and his resurrection. And then redemption is also applied. It is applied for Jesus' disciples. It's applied through us. When we become followers of Jesus, actually our hardened hearts become soft. The Holy Spirit enters into our hearts and we become God's dwelling place on this earth. No longer do we have to worship God in the temple We can worship God wherever we are because we are the people of God, the holy temples in which God dwells and lives. We are the people of God, His church. His church saved for a purpose, to apply His redemption to our lives, but also to the communities around us. See, Jesus was the light of the world that came into the world, into the darkness, because of what he did, he has made us the light of the world. The church is the light of the world. We are meant to be his stewards on this earth. We are meant to represent him, to live purposeful lives in him, applying his redemption to all those around us, bringing healing, restoring, opening the eyes of the blind through his Holy Spirit that dwells and lives in us. And then finally, We wait for this last chapter, don't we, church? We wait. Humanity is waiting in suspension for Jesus to come back, to restore all things. See, we know that there is brokenness still in this world. 
We see it all around us. We long for the day where Jesus will come back. He will consummate the whole world. He will set it all right. Jesus will return to restore everything, to bring a new heaven and an earth where, where there will be no more pain or dying. And he will wipe every tear from our eyes. So this morning, my question is a rather simple one for us. In light of God's story, which we are part of God's story, where are you going? Are you going the right way? See, it's quite simple. We can either choose to follow God, to face Him, to live a life towards Him and following Him, or we can turn away from God. And move deeper and deeper into our own sin and brokenness. Are you going in the right way today? The truth is, as we look towards God, we don't all of a sudden just become magically perfect. Because of Jesus, we are seen in God's eyes as righteous. But it doesn't mean we are perfect people. One day when Jesus comes back, we will be glorified. We will be perfect with him in heaven. But today I'm still a sinful person. But if my eyes are faced towards the world and towards sin, I'll become more sinful and more broken myself. But if my eyes are faced towards Jesus and I ask Jesus, Jesus, help me, sanctify me, Holy Spirit, lead me. The more I walk towards God, the less I'll become like the world, the more I'll become like Jesus. Not because of anything that is special about me, because of God's Spirit working in my life. Then others may come to see the glory of God and come to say, well, they too want the blessings of God in their life. They too want to have a relationship with Jesus. So let us face towards Jesus today. Let us ask him to sanctify us, to make us more like him. See, Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. There's a real challenge in that for us today. So how do we apply this to our lives today? Well, the truth is that sin is evident around us. So we need to choose God. We need to choose Jesus. And we need to realize that it's only through him that we can be made right. See, then a new life begins in Jesus healing and restoration for your own life, but also for those around you. And then we realize we are created for a purpose. God actually has a plan and purpose for your life specifically set out. So what have we learned this morning? We've learned that humanity keeps sinning. We keep rebelling against God, but God's blessings do not stop. And God's redemptive plan is in play. He's redeemed humanity through Jesus. And we long for the day where Jesus will return again and set it all right. So let's commit to each other and to God this morning. 
We want to live in the right, going in the right direction. Allowing God to do his work in our lives so we may experience his blessing and his redemption. Let me pray for us this morning as we close. Thank you, Father, that you are so good to us. Lord, that even in the fact that we are broken, sinful people, you did not leave us there. Lord, that you had a divine plan for humanity, and that was to send your one and only Son to become a man himself and to live and to show us how to live a life that honors you and in obedience to you. And Father, he was obedient to the point of the cross where he died as sinner's death, a death that we deserve. So Lord, we learn from the start that rebelling against you and the wages of sin is death. But Lord Jesus, you have made a way. And Lord, today we celebrate and we honor you for making a way so that we can be made right with you. And I thank you, Father, that you have a redemptive plan and that we are part of that. And Lord, all we need to do is surrender our lives to you and to say, Lord, we believe in Jesus. And Lord, we can be made right with you. So Father, I pray, Lord, you would help us, point us in the right direction, point us to you, guide us, Lord, so we can become more like you, bring your light into this broken world. We pray.